more fascinating than to watch a person's life be completely transformed by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I've been in church my entire life, and big churches, small churches, makes no difference. When a church is preaching the gospel, you see this happen again and again. I grew up in the, on Route 311 over here uh, in the Patterson Baptist Church. It's uh, where I preached my first message when I was 12 years old. Uh, no, 14 years old. Preached my first uh, full-length message on a Sunday night and uh, learned so much about the Christian life. It's where I went to Sunday school and learned a lot of what I know about the Bible. But uh, just a, a small country church, nice big building, but on Sunday maybe 50, 70 people, I'm guessing, and uh, yet, I saw it there. I saw it uh, several years as a teenager at Colonial Hills Baptist Church. I, I saw it at uh, New England Heritage Baptist Church that uh, Pastor Dale Bertalovitz started in Richfield when I was 16 years old. And I saw it at the First Baptist Church of Hammond where I attended while I was a college student. And I saw it as a bus captain in Chicago for those years. And then all these years in Northeast Baptist Church, I've seen it again and again and again where you look at somebody and you say, that's not the same person that they were just a few months ago. You knock on somebody's door, and it's just a few months later that you're saying, that's not the same person whose door I knocked on just a few months ago. Somebody walks in and as a visitor, and uh, they give their heart to Christ, and they live for Him, and you watch them grow, and in a year's time, you're saying that's not the same person that walked in that door a year ago. The power of the gospel. You watch hatred turn to love. You watch bondage turn to liberty. You watch darkness turn to light. What is it? It's the life-changing power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It takes a lot of prayer. It takes a lot of persistence. It takes a lot of patience. You sow an awful lot of seed by the wayside in order to come across the path of one Angela LaBianca. You sow a lot of seed in rocky ground in order to see one Hassan Madkor. You sow a lot of seed in thorny ground in order for God to show you one Keith Reddy. And the fact of the matter is, it's all God every time. It's all God. If you learn anything in working with people, you cannot change anybody's life. You can't even change your own life. It's all God. The process that God uses is the process described in our text. Whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. God has prepared a destination for you in this life. And that destination is for you to be made like Jesus Christ. God changes us by making us like Jesus. That's what the Bible calls sanctification. There are three great stages in this thing of salvation. One is past, one is future, one is present. 
What is past is justification that has already been completed. If you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, justification is complete for you. You now have been forgiven of your sins. You have received everlasting life. You're on your way to heaven. That is complete. That will never be changed. What is future is glorification. And that's when you die or when you go to heaven in the rapture and you receive a glorified body. And you spend eternity with him in heaven. That's glorification. But in between the two is what's going on right now. And it's a process just as real and just as miraculous as justification. It's a process just as real and just as wonderful and miraculous as glorification. And, boy, a lot of us, uh, as, as Christians, we, we sing a lot about glorification. We sing a lot about justification, and we should. But it's this process that we're in right now that gets highly ignored, and that's the process of sanctification. Sanctification is the process of God making you like Jesus Christ. That's what God wants to do right now in your life. It's what he's trying to do if you'll let him. See, the Bible says clearly that Jesus is everything that God is. The Bible says he is the image of the invisible God. It also says that Jesus is everything that God wants man to be. The Bible calls him the second Adam, as if to say that Adam messed up what God had done. That may be saying it not the perfect way, but Adam and all of us goofed up God's project, God's effort. So let me give you Jesus to show you what I intended for you to be. He is the second Adam, as we just have been singing in the song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. So Jesus is everything that God is, and he's everything that God wants man to be. So to become like Jesus is to become like God. This is what God is working to accomplish in your life right now. It is God's agenda for you today. If every person on this planet were to become like Jesus, all the world's problems would be solved. You say, well, pastor, that ain't ever going to happen. Okay, but if you'd become like Jesus, you'd find the solutions to all your problems. I didn't say you wouldn't have any more problems. I'd say you'd find the solutions. When you become like Jesus, your character is transformed. When you become like Jesus, your appetites change. When you become like Jesus, your personality changes. When you become like Jesus, your perspective changes. When you become like Jesus, your priorities change. When you become like Jesus, your lying disappears. When you become like Jesus, your bitterness disappears. When you become like Jesus, your self-pity disappears. When you become like Jesus, your negativity disappears. When you become like Jesus, your covetousness disappears. When you become like Jesus, your cynicism disappears. 
When we become like Jesus, your suspicious nature disappears. When we become like Jesus, your accusing spirit disappears. When we become like Jesus, your critical spirit disappears. When we become like Jesus, your gossiping tongue disappears. When we become like Jesus, your temper disappears. When you become like Jesus, your lust disappears. When you become like Jesus, your selfishness disappears. When you become like Jesus, your greed disappears. When you become like Jesus, your foul mouth disappears. When you become like Jesus, your arrogance disappears. When you become like Jesus, your self-importance disappears. When you become like Jesus, your hurt feelings disappear. When you become like Jesus, you see things the way God sees them. When you become like Jesus, the peace of God rules in your heart. Time out. These are all things that can happen for you. These are all things that can be the you of 2016. We're not talking about a resolution. We're talking about a transformation that God will do. When you become like Jesus, you have wisdom to make every decision. When you become like Jesus, your heart overflows with love for God and people. When you become like Jesus, everybody that knows you knows that you belong to God. When you become like Jesus, you have the confidence to face every challenge. When you become like Jesus, your life brings glory to God. When you become like Jesus, you have victory over sin, over self, and over Satan. When you become like Jesus, your appetites please God. When you become like Jesus, you are mentally and emotionally stable. When you become like Jesus, you are spiritually secure. When you become like Jesus, you are constantly overflowing with joy. When you become like Jesus, you are living the victorious Christian life. When you become like Jesus, you are wearing the whole armor of God. When you become like Jesus, you are always spirit-filled. When you become like Jesus, your life influences people for Christ. When you become like Jesus, you are perfectly lined up with what is right and what is true. When you become like Jesus, you have courage to face the impossible. When you become like Jesus, you have compassion to love the unlovable. When you become like Jesus, you have patience to wait for God's timing. When you become like Jesus, you have patience to trust God with your circumstances. But now here's the thing. You can't do this for yourself. You cannot make yourself to become like Jesus. 
It's a work that God and only God can do. But there's some things that God needs to see in you in order for him to continue this process. And I want to share with you three simple things this morning. First thing God needs to see in you is God needs to see some honesty. We've got to be honest with ourselves. The man that people call the greatest Christian to ever live, the Apostle Paul, whether or not he was is not the the question, but he certainly is a finalist. And the Apostle Paul said of himself, he said this, I know that in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. And yet we look at ourselves and we think we're in pretty good shape. I'd say the number one reason that Christians are not transformed into Christ, into the image of Christ, the number one reason why God is not able to do that work in my heart and yours is because we think we're already pretty good. The fact of the matter is, The Bible says, in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. Listen, I don't care how good I look. There's nothing good in me. I need Jesus. No matter how talented I might be or how skillful I may be or how smart I may be or what a wonderful personality I may have, in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. I need to quit lying to myself. I need to look it square in the face and realize I need to be made like Jesus Christ. We've got to be honest with ourselves, folks. We've got to stop trying to prop ourselves up. Do you realize that when you take your sinful flesh, your old sin nature, and you work to prop it up to make it look good, You're creating an idol. You're no different than the person that we would all mock and laugh at who, you know, takes the the Bible calls it a stock. And what that means is the, the stock of a tree, the trunk of a tree. And cuts it out and very carefully molds it and shapes it into what we think we want our God to look like, and then we put that God, that idol, where we can see it, and then we bow down and worship something that we just made with our own hands. When you are persuaded, and when I am persuaded, hey, I'm pretty good. I've got it together. I'm, hey, I'm pretty strong. We're not, what we're doing is no different. We're making an idol of ourselves. First, if you want God to transform you into the image of Jesus Christ in 2016, if you want God to make you like Jesus, look, I am talking about a transformation of character that I need and that you need. And listen, this isn't even anything that any of us can say, yeah, I already got that. We're not there yet, none of us. 
And even if we've had some level of success in becoming like Jesus Christ, there's an awful long way to go. So this is something every one of us needs as we face another year. Oh, what do I want to do this year? Oh, I want to lose 20 pounds. I want to, those are your numbers. My numbers are bigger than that. Um, I want to lose 20 pounds. I want to, yeah, hey, I want to get uh, physically fit this year. I want to, I want to save this amount of money this year. I want to uh, quit this nasty habit this year. I want to read more, whatever. Whatever it is, let me tell you, if you are transformed to the image of Christ, those things will begin to happen. I say again, we're not talking about a resolution. We're talking about a transformation. And God will begin that transformation when he sees in me and in you some honesty. God, oh God, I want to be like Jesus. What, I'm, what I am is no good. Lord, I am, I am envy and strife and malice. I need to be love. Joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. God, please make me like Jesus Christ. God needs to see some honesty. Something else God wants to see is some connection. 1 John 5, 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanseth us from all sins. One of my favorite verses in the Bible. Jesus said in John 15, if ye abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what ye will shall be done unto you. All of John 15, the whole first part of the chapter, is about abiding in Christ. We're talking about connection. It would be tragic to find out how many so-called Christians live day in and day out with no connection to God. God knows that I won't live in this world, in this wicked world, and stay connected with him 24-7. I can, but I won't. But God at least needs to see that as many times a day as possible, I'm connecting with him again. I have something on my laptop called Carbonite, and I've had it for several years, and the first several years that I had it, I probably had it four or five years. The first four or five years that I had it, it didn't really seem to be paying, paying off. A year ago, it paid, it paid off. Here's what Carbonite does. Carbonite backs up all your files on your computer constantly. You don't have to take any activity, make any action at all. That's uh, what I'm trying to say. You don't have to take any action. To make this happen, it happens on its own once you set it up. And then if your computer crashes, you log into Carbonite, and amazingly, all your files are right there. Well, a year ago, my laptop just, it just died. No warning. No, well, it's, you know what, it's, 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 it looks like it's winding down. Nope, I just turned it on one day, and it didn't turn on. I had Brother Steve look at it. He said, Pastor, you have trouble. Now it's time to find out if Carbonite works. And you know what? It did. I couldn't believe it. You go, you, you log on from another com computer, and it is laid out somewhere in a cloud up there. It is laid out just like it's laid out on my computer. 
You know how you have to go through these paths? You go from the C drive, and from there you go wherever, documents. What I have, well, I'm not going to tell you my secrets, but I have these paths that I take, and you have these paths that you take to get. And so I, I logged in on Carbonite, and sure enough, the same paths, the same layout, the same everything. And so when I got a new laptop, all I had to do was install, all, and it just, I couldn't believe it. It was awesome. But here's the thing. The one thing that has to happen, for Carbonite to work is you have to have it, you know, it has to be running and it has to be hooked up to, you know, has to be uh, logged into some Wi-Fi. You have to have internet access. Well, I have internet access at home. I've got internet access here at church. So I don't have to think about it. But every once in a while, like maybe if the Wi-Fi goes out, or maybe if we're traveling and I don't have Wi-Fi for a, an extended period of time, you get this little message. And the little message in the corner says, Carbonite has not been able to back up your files because it has not had an Internet connection in two days. Something like that. So if you haven't been connected in two days, it lets you know, hey, there's a problem and this product isn't working. When I say... God is looking for connection. I can't think of a better illustration than that. God knows that in this wicked world, we're not going to have connection 24-7. We could, but we, we won't. But to go a day and have no connection with God, to go two days and not have connection with God. Hey, to be a Christian and you have not connected with God since last week when you sat in this room, well, there is a problem. There is a problem. How often do you talk directly with God? How have you yet talked directly to God today? Oh, you said, Pastor, we just prayed a little while ago. Yeah, I prayed and you bowed your eyes. That's about your head and closed your eyes. That's not what I'm talking about. You had a few hours before church started today of your morning, your Sunday morning. Did you talk to God at all? I'm talking about directly. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for being so good to me. Lord, bless my family today. God, give me wisdom. Thank you for loving me. I love you. Oh, I love you. Say, look. Really, I'm supposed to do that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We need to connect with God all the time. Let me tell you, the connection dies as soon as some dope-smoking singer starts singing at us. The connection dies. And even if it's not, you know, I hear, I hear people I don't even know I'm hearing while I'm pumping gas or while I'm in the store. You know, and I don't even know it. And Lady Gaga singing in my ear. Or One Direction. I couldn't pick them out of a lineup. But I'm, go- I'm in Walmart and they're singing to me. You know what? If I let that in. Now, you can't help what you hear, but you can help what you let in. And you let that in. And, man, sometimes you're not even paying attention to the most vile words are bringing, being sung to you. And it's okay, it's all legal, because at least they're not saying the name of Jesus. Because then that would be offensive, and we'd have to shut it all down. But as long as we're just singing about, you know, immorality and, and uh, heroin and good stuff like that, then that's okay, that's not offensive. 
But your mind and your heart's being filled with garbage if you let it in. And guess what? The connection has gone dead. And pretty soon the connection is non-existent and you don't even realize you haven't let God speak to you in days and you haven't spoken to God in days and we've just been going through the motions. And if somebody asks us, are you a Christian? Oh, yes, I'm a Christian. But you haven't connected with God in days. Hey, you can even say some prayers and read some words and still not be connected to God. Yo, I got my three chapters in and I read over my prayer list. But your heart was somewhere distant. You were thinking about, I got to get this done so I can watch my show. I got to get this done so I can text everybody. I got to get this done so I can go shopping. I got to get this done. So, oh, you weren't connecting with God. Connecting with God is when you put the world aside for a second or a minute or a while, and it's my heart connecting with God. Can I say this? And I'm a music lover. When I'm not listening to music, I want, I, want, uh, I, I want people, somebody on the radio talking to me. All right? So I'm the worst offender. I like sound. I like noise. You're not going to connect with God while people are singing to you. Now, I'm not saying that while a song is playing, you know, don't pray. Or I'm not saying that. But if you really want to connect with God, turn the radio off. If you really want to connect with God, get with their silence. And listen, when you go to the place of prayer, don't bring that cell phone with you. They can wait till you're done. Boy, that was great timing right there, Bill. I'll tell you what. <laughs> Me and Bill had that worked out. I'll give you that 20 later, man. That was perfect. See, that's what I'm talking about, and Bill helped me show you. They can wait. Boy, we had a good time. We had a good time. Was it the Thanksgiving service? I hate to tell this story, but the person's not here, so let's go for it. We, those of you that are here at the Thanksgiving service, we had some, somebody that doesn't come to our church, and their cell phone rang, and he answered it and had a conversation right here. From, and and he, I promise you, I'm sitting up here, and here's what I hear from the back row. I can't talk right now. <laughs> I to say, hey, you already are. <laughs> anyway, that's, that's been a little, for, we've for the last month in our house, anytime something, hello, hi, I can't talk right now. <laughs> anyway, but as funny as that is, and that's funny, isn't it? as funny as that is, we do that to God all the time. Somebody's text is more important than God is. I'll be in my office on my knees, and the church phone will ring. And I'll have to sit and pause. Lord, is this, is this important? <laughs> and I'll, Lord, I'm sorry that I even thought that. That's why it's better for me to come up here where I can't hear a phone. I'm saying the world is more connected than it has ever been before. You could, if you knew somebody in Australia, the other side of the world, if you knew them and had their contact information, you can be looking at their face live in five seconds. We are more connected than we've ever been before, and we are more disconnected from God than we've ever been. Show God some honesty. 
Lord, I, in my flesh dwells no good. I need to change. I'm not. Who am I kidding? I can stop putting on and trying to fake everybody. I need transformation. I need you. God needs to see some honesty. God needs to see some connection. Connect with He's not going to change you if you're not connected with him. And God needs to see some effort. Philippians 2, verses 12 and 13. Work out your own salvation. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Listen, you say, what does that mean? All right, I don't have time to explain that. I think you can figure it out on your own. It doesn't mean, and, and somebody tried to use that one time to tell me, see, you got you to work to get saved. That is absolutely not what that means. Not even close, and a child can see that if he would just read it. No, God does the saving, and he puts the grace inside of you, and you've got to put that grace to work in your life. But now listen carefully to a little bit of a, little bit of a, a twist to close us out here. And we're, we're about done here this morning. And whoa, we're way early. You don't become like Jesus by trying to become like Jesus. But you don't become like Jesus by not trying to become like Jesus. All right, this is one of my favorite Bugs Bunny sounds right here. Can't do it with my glasses on. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that's one of those right there. What? What in the world? Uh, listen again, then I'm going to explain that. You don't become like Jesus by trying to become like Jesus, but you don't become like Jesus by not trying to become like Jesus. What does that mean? It means that your effort doesn't change you, but God will change you when He sees you making the effort. Now, the the distinction there is important because you've got to know that your flesh cannot change you. It's all God. But then there's there's always that tendency in us to want to sit back and do nothing and wait for God to work. And God says, wait a second, I see some effort. I got to see you trying to do this work of sanctification in your life. It's not automatic. There's got to be some effort. So let me say again. You don't become like Jesus by trying to become like Jesus. But you don't become like Jesus by not trying to become like Jesus. Your effort doesn't change you. But God will change you when he sees you making the effort. Are you even trying? Are you even trying to get closer to God? Are you even trying to put yourself in a position where God can say, I'm going to transform you. I'm going to make you like my son, Jesus Christ. Listen, to be like Jesus is the ultimate. I realize that there's, there's, there's not a lot of demand for that, it would seem, in the world nowadays. It does not seem like a very marketable thing, even in Christianity. You put two books on the shelf in the Christian bookstore and have one say how to be happy and prosperous and have the other one say how to be transformed to be like Jesus. This one's going to sell out. This one's not going to sell very many copies. It's not very marketable, even in Christianity in 2015. But if you want your life to change... You get after God. Let me tell you a prayer that you should pray again and again. You want a, you want a great prayer for 2016? 
God, make me like Jesus. God, make me like Jesus. God, make me like Jesus. We, we, we preach those messages on prayer about the guy that somebody came to him in the middle of the night and he didn't have any bread to give to his guests and so he went over to his neighbor. His neighbor's already in bed. He calls up to his neighbor and says, Hey, lend me three loaves. And the neighbor says, I, I'm in bed. And you know the story. And finally, because the neighbor doesn't give up, finally he, he gets out of bed, not because he's his friend or his neighbor, but because he just wants him to shut up and go home. And the Bible word is importunity. And we tell that story. We say, see, you got that thing. You, you, want, you want the promotion? You want that job? You want, and those are not wrong things to pray for. But when was the last time that you, with importunity, prayed, God? Make me like Jesus Christ. God, I'm so tired of my pride. Make me like Jesus Christ. I'm so tired of my selfishness. I'm so tired of my temper. I'm so tired of my greed. I'm so tired of my lust. I'm so tired of my negativity. I'm so tired of my critical spirit. Oh, God, make me like Jesus, I pray. Make me like Jesus, I pray. That wouldn't be a bad thing to put where you can see it again and again. Maybe put it on your Bible reading schedule so that every time you go to read your Bible every day, you see, Lord, make me like Jesus Christ. And you stop to pray that. God's goal for you is to make you like Jesus. Is that your desire today? Is that what you want? Is that what you hunger for? You need to be honest with God and honest with yourself. You need to connect with God. Oh, we got, we got to quit going all week without connecting. We, we got to quit going all day without connecting with God. Connect with him. See, I don't have time. You can stop and connect with God. You can connect with God while you're doing other things. Stop using that lame excuse. You can connect with God again and again and again. And we need some effort. God needs to see some effort if he's going to transform us to the image of Christ. Let's bow together. Father, we don't even realize what poverty we are in. We don't even realize how, how spiritually poor we are. I don't. I don't. I don't realize how spiritually weak I am. I beg of you, Lord, as we enter into another year, as we, as we tackle a new set of challenges and a new set of opportunities, I pray, Lord, please, that you'd give us a greater hunger than we've ever had before for you to make us like Jesus Christ. Make us like Jesus Christ. Lord, make me like Jesus. Lord, conform me to the image of Jesus Christ, I pray. Please, I pray. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed this morning. The greatest thing you could do today, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, the greatest thing you could do would be to receive Jesus as your Savior. If you're here today and you've never received Christ for yourself, that's... That's first and foremost. See, we are a fallen race. I mentioned it in the message. We are a fallen race. 
We have sinned against our God, God, every one of us. God made us to love, but we hate. God made us to deal truthfully, but we steal and lie. God made us to love him. Yet we keep a, a long distance between us and God. We are sinners. If we were not sinners, we would have a, an overwhelming love and fondness for God, but we don't. We're sinners. We've sinned against God. Sin carries with it a penalty of eternal damnation. The Bible says we are condemned already. But God loves us, and he doesn't want us to face that condemnation, so he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die as our substitute. He died in our place. The whole thing of Jesus being born in Bethlehem and dying on a cross when he was a man and rising from the dead three days later, the whole purpose was so that we could be forgiven of our sins and receive everlasting life. And there must come a time in your life when you realize these things and when you make the choice for yourself to put your faith in Jesus Christ. Have you ever done that? If you've not, I want to give you that opportunity right now. You can do that right where there where you are. Talk to God and say, Dear God, I know that I've sinned against you, and I am sorry. Please forgive me. I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. I believe that Jesus died for me. And right now I receive Jesus as my Savior. Help me to live like a Christian. If you made that decision, God promises that right now you have everlasting life. He that believes on the Son has everlasting life. Now, if you're here today and you say, I've never, I've I've trusted Jesus Christ. I know I'm saved. But I want to be like Jesus Christ. To acknowledge that does not mean you're living in sin. I'm your pastor. I do a pretty steady job of trying to live for God. But I'm going to tell you what. I need to be more like Jesus Christ. I need him to transform me. If that's your prayer this morning, would you do business with God? Let's stand together this morning as the piano plays.